Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up this morning, we got a little something for you Ute fans, you Cougar fans, and you Jazz fans. Yes, the three most popular teams in the state, Utah football, BYU football, and the Utah Jazz. we got you all covered in this hour. We are going to start with the Utes and the linebacker coach, Colton Swan, a former Weaver State Wildcat. Now, on his, uh, what, his third year on the youth staff, here he is talking with the media as camp continues, and they count it down. Three weeks from tonight, the youths will play their season opener. Here's Colton Swan with the media. He's trying to make this team great. He's trying to make the linebackers great. Uh, and so everything he does, you know, he, he's grabbing guys and bringing them with him. I was kind of along, along those same lines. How valuable is it for you for, as a coach to have a guy like Devin Boyd in your room? And also, maybe what are some things that he does behind the scenes that we don't see that, that help you out? Right. Uh, I've heard a lot about his film watching. Yeah, valuable in the fact that you've got experienced eyes. Okay, you got uh, a guy that has coaching type of eyes. He can see things. He can help. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm a true believer in the best way of learning is actually teaching. You know, I come from an education background, and I know that's one of the main ways to retain information is to teach. And he's a great coach. He's a great teacher. So uh, that's what I love about having that experience around. Uh, a couple things that he does. I mean, he just he outworks everybody. Okay, uh, and not only does he outwork everybody, but he outworks himself. Okay, he knows what his expectations are, and he succeeds those uh, every day. Talk about Nephi School's development and growth since he made the transition to linebacker. Now entering year two as a starter. Yeah, he's he's done a great job. He's really picked it up last year in our five games that we played. Uh, he he did a great job of really taking a hold of it and understanding it and learning it because it's, it's different. I mean, you're, you're, you can be a defensive tackle type that's going to be fitting A's and B gaps, if that makes sense, right? And then also you can be a DB type where you're dropping out and covered. So as a linebacker, we're hybrid. We have multiple things that we've got to do. And, uh, man, he filled that role immensely. He's extremely savvy. He's one of the most savviest players I've ever been around. Uh, he knows where the ball's going. He knows where to fit it. He knows the structure of the defense. Um, he's, he's maybe a little bit more quiet, as you guys know, but he's an extremely savvy player and a delight to coach. You brought in a lot of high school talent in your signing class, but you weren't done. You brought in another transfer, Josh Calvert, who was the older brother of Ethan Calvert. Kind of in a unique situation with him being still relatively young, but two years at college. What does he bring to the table? Uh, it's funny, yeah, I, you know, you ask that question because I thought about that a lot. Um, in bringing a transfer in that comes, in my opinion, from a good program, okay, is really nice. It's nice to have uh, a guy like that that not necessarily we run the same defenses, but can pick up on things. His terminology, he just tweaks it a little bit and, and applies it to things that he's done. Uh, he's a very physical, Josh, very physical kid. I uh, love the way he's progressing in these uh, seven practices and uh, excited about it. How, how deep are you at the linebacker position right now? Like how many guys, I, I know you're in the middle of camp, but how many guys do you, do you think could be game ready by the time 
uh, you guys go around to the open area? Well, I mean, it's it's my position to make sure that from top to bottom that I have enough guys that are ready. Uh, you know, it's, it's a game of contact, and, and, you know, injuries happen, and to, you know, the next man up mentality. You know, when somebody goes down, the next man grabs a rifle, or he freaking takes that front line. So it's, it's my job as a position coach to make sure that I got guys ready, and when it comes time on September 2nd, we'll be there. With transfers and recruiting, how much did it help the fact that you've put guys in the NFL at linebacker position to get these guys in now? Oh, I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, everybody that's played football has dreams and aspirations to play on Sundays, right? And if they can foresee that actually becoming a reality, then that, that helps big time. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in linebacker play here at University of Utah that is appealing. Uh, number one is, in my opinion, we got one of the best D-lines in the country. And as you guys know, linebacker play, okay, you're as good as the defensive front in front of you. And we've got a good defensive front. And so in recruiting, uh, you're seeking schools like University of Utah so you can play behind uh, these big defensive tackles in front of you. I'd like to ask opposing position coaches about guys on the other side of the ball. From your perspective, how are the, I guess, the new faces for the most part in the running back room? Yeah, I love competition. Okay, those guys are workhorses. I love the running back group. We face running backs and tight ends quite a bit. And, uh, man, from top to bottom, they've got a lot of depth as well. And um, uh, really excited about what they're bringing. I mean, day in and day out, they're making us work as linebackers and uh, really like uh, the running back group. I asked Kyle McDonald this the other day, but uh, Utah's brought in a lot of talent, raised the talent level, really, and, and Utah's also been known as a program built on competition. How do you get guys that are coming in with maybe higher talent levels uh, to buy into that, that culture of competition? That's exactly what it is. It's a culture here, all right? This is what we're known for, right? Um, you know, the, you, you go back and you look at the amount of star recruits, right? And you're not pulling a ton of five-star recruits, right? So um, our culture is what makes Utah good, right? And, and that's what we rely on. Um, and so that's, at the end of the day, kind of what we're pushing for as coaches is, is that culture, that toughness, that grit, um, the, the willingness to be great, you know, and to outwork everybody. I know that, you know, having, having Ethan and, and Mason as far as big-time recruits coming in, um, could you know, people could overlook Trey Reynolds. How does he fare so far? Trey Reynolds is a gritty, tough football player. He is, I love Trey Reynolds, and uh, like you said, people could overlook him. But he is, he's fantastic. He works his head off. He's got a work ethic like Devin Lloyd. And uh, he will wear that projector out in the film rooms, and he wants to be great. And what's funny is he's been here for, what, seven months now? And, uh, yeah, he's really made a name for himself. Coach, you talked about um, Devin Lloyd's leadership. How have you seen him kind of bring along some of the younger linebackers so far? Well, I think, you know, I think there was linebackers here that did it for Devin. You know, the Cody Barton type linebackers that were here, the Francis Bernard type linebackers that were here. So um, they've, they've, over the years, it's been shown. And I think what they can see is how it's actually done. Uh, when you toe the line for gases and what, you know, the first team all pack 12 linebacker looks like and what he does and how he acts throughout the day in his film study. And so it really helps to be able to see it, what it actually looks like. 
besides you, who would be the best bulldogger? <laughs> Probably Trey Reynolds. <laughs> Probably Trey Reynolds. You gotta have, you gotta have sheer strength. That's in Trey Reynolds has that. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be a little loose up here too. You gotta be super loose. Jump off of a horse going about thirty-five miles an hour onto a, a steer. So, yeah, that's a good question. With the with Tavaga and obviously Ethan Calvert uh, being, you know, star recruits. Um, and the depth you talked about the linebacker this year, how do you kind of see their roles? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of roles that are being played, especially at a young age. I mean, there's a lot of special teams to be played. Uh, like I said, there's there's development. They, they need to look at what an all-conference actual player looks like. And, hey, are we at this point? No, let's get there. Okay, how do we get there? Those kinds of things. But, yeah, there's, as far as roles go, there's plenty of roles to be played. Like I, I answered the question earlier, it's my job to make sure that if you know one man goes down, the next man's ready. You had a player in the spring game, Kareem Reed, that really kind of showcased some some ability, and then you know, he's a walk on, and then you've got another guy, Peyton Fury, who was also a walk on. What does it mean? Like, what does it say? The fact that you've got guys that are coming in as walk ons that you know, fit your culture, your identity, and, and are producing. Right. That's a, that's a really good question. I'm a strong believer in recruiting my walk-ons. Uh, I go out and I recruit a walk-on as if he's a scholarship athlete. Uh, and my hopes that that walk-on will earn the scholarship. And Kareem Reed, Hayden Fury, both of those guys, extremely hard work ethics, extremely athletic, extremely talented. Recruiting is not a science and guys can get overlooked. Those guys are hard. Um, are good enough to play here. Those guys are talented enough, um, and I love everything about both those guys. They are, as you mentioned, had a great spring, both of them, and fired up about both of them thus far. What do you need to speak to you about uh, the line landing and his skill set? Lowe's doing a great job. Okay, he's a little bit new. He's a transfer from Washington State. It took him a little bit longer to get in, so he's maybe not ahead of those mid-year younger guys that were here, but Lowe's uh, what he's showing, I love his physicality, okay, right off the top. Uh, he's doing a great job. He's an all-in type of guy, okay? He's more than willing to work hard. Um, he's a great attitude, great demeanor about him. He has great body language to him, so there's a lot of things foundationally that I like about him low so far. There's Colton Swan, the Utes linebacker coach. When we come back, BYU head coach Kalani Sataki with an update on the quarterback race. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get an update on all things BYU. The head coach, Kalani Sataki, meeting with the media and an update on the quarterback race right now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, Kalani, uh, just you've been at it for about a week now. I just wondered if you could give us an update on the quarterback race, if there's been any separation, how each of the three have looked, and just anything you can tell us on how that battle's going. Uh, as far as separation goes, uh, not um, highly visible right now, other than all three are much better than they were in spring, and they improve every day. So it's it's getting a little bit more difficult 
but uh, it's really no fault of theirs. They're, they're just stepping up and making some big plays, and um, I, I anticipate uh, some separation soon, especially when we start doing a lot more 11 on 11 work, and uh, that that'll probably happen in the next uh, week, week and a half or so. That as a follow up. When the decision is made, will, will it be A-Rod making the decision and going to you with it for approval, or how will that kind of unfold? Yeah, mostly A-Rod and, and Fessy, and then, um, you know, I, we, we communicate a lot, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be, be in it all together, but um, I'm going to lean heavily on the guys that spend the most time with them, and that's uh, those two, and, and, and obviously A-Rod's the offensive coordinator so and, and the quarterback's coach, so it's, it's uh, heavy... The heavy part of it will be his, his to, to decide. Well, Ani, the first, the first five offensive practices, A-Rod said, were, were scripted. What's what's the next phase for the offense now that those five practices are in the rearview mirror? Is it more of a game-like situation for the for the offense? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the goal is to get them used to just football, situational football, and that – that, that's uh, not something that you script. You, and it's also good work for our, our uh, communication from the, the play caller, A-Rod, all the way to the to the signalers, to the guys that can get lined up. So um, now we're trying to figure out uh, how, to, how to get in the flow of a game, who can lead um, the team down the field and then score points. And that's going to be the key in the next little bit. Right now, we, we were just trying to, in the first little bit, trying to establish a foundation of guys knowing the plays, knowing their assignments, how their alignments are supposed to be and the technique that they need to utilize. And then uh, now it's putting it all together and having it be uh, different times and not having it be so scripted. Now, this, before it was, the scripts were all situational. Now we're trying to go with the flow and, and go with the, with the plays. And that's going to be, I think, key for, for those quarterbacks um, evolving and progressing to the, the type of players that we want them to be leading the way against Arizona. And you noted earlier in camp that you'd love to have 123 starter type players in the program, but in reality, how many starters that you feel confident right now that could play in a moment's notice in your program at the moment? You know, I haven't counted them all up, and I know I said that last time I talked to you guys that we have more than 11 on each side. I really believe we do. Um, I just have to go up and count how many guys we feel comfortable as a coaching staff being being one of the starters. I really believe that. Um, that's my job as a head coach is to get the depth ready and get the whole team ready to start and play for us, uh, regardless of, of um, you know what type of team we have. I, I think my goal is to get all the guys in a position where they should be able to get on the field and help us win games. And so, is it is it achievable? I don't know, but we're going to try to do our best. And I don't know the, the exact number right now, but I know we have a good number of them. And there's a lot of guys that, that can change day to day right now. There's a lot of guys that made huge improvements from last week to now. And then if you can do that in, in five practices, imagine what can happen in the next five. Hey, Norma, go ahead. Hey, Kalani. So just looking based off of uh, what you guys had of as in regards to the talent coming back, um, it seems like the offense is much um, stronger than the defense because they are fairly young and the offense just has an incredible depth and across the board in multiple positions. Would you say that's the case? And if so, how do you get the defense to sort of start rising up to the occasion? Well, I think we have certain defensive guys that, that have a lot more experience than people uh, can remember. For some reason, a lot of people don't remember all the the reps and the snaps that our corners and, and our linebackers have. You know, and, and 
I think we have a lot of young guys in terms of, of roster years, and but uh, they, they still have some good, valuable experience. And that's the key is that everybody learns at their own pace, so we just need to hurry it up a little bit. And um, It's not, not a very patient world when you're dealing with, with coaches, but um, we, ha- we have to utilize all the time. And so the next little, to answer your question, um, we have to ramp it up a little bit more. And sometimes um, you, you, you drown them with, with so much um, install that it's hard for players to, to really play because they're and let loose because they're thinking so much and um, really we can't slow down um, we can't slow down the pace that we're trying to go at because we're, we're looking at the pace of getting ready for Arizona and it's it's really up to the players to, to match the pace and the tempo that we're going as far as learning the scheme and learning the system and then being ready to play right now you have a lot of guys that can ro- you can roll with um, we have to go quickly and we, we have a goal to get to a standard a certain standard that we have to meet but um, eventually in about a week or so, we can rally those other guys back and do a little bit more specialized. But right now, we're trying to get as much install in and much film in before we start figuring out what we're really good at and what we can do, what we feel can give us an advantage against Arizona. So would you say that the offense is more dominant uh, right now as of where you are right now in Paul Camp? It's hard to judge that when you're not really playing full football, when you're just doing like scripted reps and things like that. It's it's difficult to say that. I, I, I know that there's times that practice looks really ugly, and I'm okay with that because that means that we're trying to work through practice, trying to get in a situation where guys get better and guys may take chances and be a little aggressive on both sides of the ball. And then there's times where we're going to have to play 11 on 11 football where nothing's scripted, and that's where we're going to start seeing um, you know who's who's got the upper hand here. And so... We're going to start doing that this this later part of this week and looking at the next three practices doing that, and then we'll see what happens. And that's that's probably where you're going to get some separation in a lot of positions, including the quarterback. But uh, right now it's hard for me to say that when everything's been really scripted reps and um, one-on-ones, and so it's, it's not real football when you're looking at, at the, entire, in the, in the entire process of what we're trying to do in practices. How are you feeling, by the way, Norma? Are you feeling okay? Yeah, yesterday I was still kind of recovering and had another little tachycardia issue where I got really fatigued and my heart was racing, but pretty, pretty good. Good to hear. Hopefully all the smoke gets out of the way so we can get back to real life football having you guys around. Although I'm getting used to this, I don't know why. This seems almost normal now. Glad you're doing better, Norma. Glad you're doing better, Norma. Uh, Greg, go ahead. You're up next. And then anyone else, if you have questions, go ahead and raise your hand in the chat or in the on Zoom. Hey, Kalani. Uh, Brett may actually have a better number or updated number. Uh, I was just tracking this yesterday and came up with 17 players on your roster that have fathers who played at BYU. Uh, what's the value of legacy guys in your program? Sons of fathers, many of the fathers you know played with, of having that kind of chain kind of continue to, to, to link up over time. Yeah, I mean, I, I I never counted that up, Greg, but that's I think it's a cool thing. I wonder how many have had um, grandfathers or family members that have played here. Um, I, I think having legacy kids is a, is a big part of, of um, what we're trying to accomplish here is that those guys that have been raised BYU, um, you know, there's not a lot of new things when you're recruiting them, not a lot of things that they don't already know about, especially when it, in terms of culture and especially those guys that played for Lavelle, they know that I'm trying to run a similar system. So um, 
uh, we get to know them and get to see that they fit our program perfectly. And I think they're they're for what we're trying to promote from the school mission and our team mission. It seems like an easy transition. So um, it, I don't want to be just limited to that. Also, I just want to make sure that we're open to recruit the best kids out there. And there's just a high number of them happen to be sons of, of you know former BYU players. Thanks. All right. Um, does anyone else have a question they still have for Kalani? I've got another one. That's okay. Go ahead, Jay. Kalani, a couple people have mentioned that Pepe Tanavasa has really taken well to this new kind of rush in position. Uh, so first, would you agree with that? And in what way has he kind of taken well to it? And then also, how has Preston Hadley done as moving and coaching directly the defensive ends? And, and so far, has that move kind of paid off for you? Yeah, I think I'll ask, answer the Preston one first. Preston's done an amazing job. Uh, he's just a ball coach, so, so it doesn't really matter what position you give him. He's going to flourish in it. But I'm really excited about the unique perspective he has. Uh, of, of the uh, the front, especially the DNs and that of those hybrids, uh, being aware of what's happening in the coverage, and so uh, I think uh, just giving that perspective perspective is is unique. But um, you know, you look at Preston. Preston's a, stu- a student of the game, so he's going to learn as much as he can, and and do his homework and do his research and get get our guys to kind of fit. He looks at our personnel group and looks at our our players and tries to find the best place for those guys to flourish and talks to Ituyaki about getting a system and, and, and putting them in a scheme that would work. Um, Pepe was kind of a tweener where, where we were trying to make him a linebacker and trying to make him a, a, a DN and he was kind of didn't fit the system. So uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Tuyaki and to Coach Hadley and Lamb and, and Guilford and Kloon for devising a plan where those guys can actually have a role and then having the opportunity to have Preston be able to coach those guys up as well as the the, the, hand, the guys that put their hands on the ground as DN. So uh, I think having an extra coach uh, do the DNs is going to be huge for us. It allows E. Tuyaki to do more things as a coordinator and turn over the D line even to to Preston and, and the graduate assistant. So it's been it's been really nice. I like the perspective that he has in the in the game. And um, a lot of us, if you look at this coaching staff, have coached other positions. I've coached every position other than quarterbacks, you know. So um, if you're a ball coach, you should be able to coach any side of the ball, any position, as long as you know the, the basics and the, the technique to, that you're trying to, you know, have your players do. But in answer to Pepe, Pepe is an amazing talent, and we just want to, we just feel like he, there's a, a scheme where he can really do well, and that's kind of devising that plan where he can play. I think we call this is a jack, and a different position, jack OE position where – he can be a stand-up. He can be hands on the ground if we need him. But he can do a lot of different things, and it's utilizing his skill set rather than making him lose weight and change the way that he does things or gain weight and be a down hand on the ground type of DN. I think devising a scheme and a personnel set where guys like him have a home, and that's a big part of that is having Preston there. All right, Jason, go ahead. And then, um, Mitch, you can have a follow-up after that. Kalani, first and foremost, uh, fantastic wardrobe choice today. Uh, really liking what you're wearing there. Uh, since I'm wearing the same thing. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the running backs, and, and specifically the guys behind Tyler and Lopini. How are those guys behind those two looking? 
we're gonna have to see how those guys handle themselves in live work. You know, it's uh, right now they're they're learning the plays and they're getting things down and then they're they're doing really really good when it's it's not live. I mean, but that's once we get things and get tackling and get things going eleven on eleven. I think we'll be able to see who can really handle it. I, I have a good feeling that all of them can do it. Um, it just they just happen to be ha- be behind two really really solid running backs. But uh, I really like that group a lot, and we'll see how they improve when we get live and start doing things. And keeping them healthy is going to be a key. But but we've got to test them uh, in, in live situations. That's coming up real soon. Speaking of Tyler, coming off just a fantastic year, Lopini had a good year too, but specifically for Tyler, coming off the year he had, what areas are there still room for improvement for him? Oh, there's tons. Yeah, there's, I mean, you're looking at perfecting his game. It's, it, there's, there's a few plays that he wishes he could improve on, and, uh, and there's also opportunity to get better at blocking, catching the ball. All those things matter, but... What I really want him to do is, is step up and become the leader that we, we started to see already since the end of the season. Him being a vocal leader, and that's not his deal, but he's getting out of his comfort zone. He's learning how to become a leader, and the players are really taking, take, they're just really taking to him as, as a leader. They, they love following him, and, and it's, it's not really that difficult when, when you're a guy that just does everything right and works extremely hard. So uh, we just need him to keep mentoring these young guys along, and and being uh, one of the main leaders on our team. And, and so far, he's doing a good job. Thanks, Coach. Kalani, I wanted to ask you about the uh, newcomers that uh, joined the cornerback room and Jacob Robinson and Caleb Hayes. Maybe uh, what type of uh, impact have they brought to the, to the competitive depth in that uh, cornerback room that already appeared to be pretty deep? What has uh, Hayes and Robinson brought to that room? Oh, yeah. I mean, they got size and speed, um, exactly what we're looking for. Uh, they have a lot of talent, and so uh, you know, adding adding to our depth and our talent that's huge for us. But I, I really feel good with what Gennaro's done with that group, and it's a it's a solid corner group, and we just got to keep testing them. And so uh, I think there's a there's a chance that we'll see a, a, a lineup with a lot of different corners co- uh, contributing to our success on defense, and it just helps out having having guys that are, that are here that are pretty much game ready and then we just teach them our, our, our system and the way they go but so far from what I see and they have the talent individually to, to really be something special here for us. There's BYU head coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back Joe Ingles is talking Olympics and his reaction when his phone blew up with news that he might be getting traded. Joe will explain next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. 
This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joe, good morning. <laughs> good morning. Still got the medal around your neck? I've got no, I haven't got much of a voice left, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't right now. I just went to Jacob's school to drop him off, so um, no, I wasn't going to uh, make this trip. <laughs> I, I personally, if I think if I won an Olympic medal, which I'm not going to, but if I did, I think I would wear it around when I drop kids off at school, just wear it to the grocery store or whatever. Just wear it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually took, I took Jacob to school yesterday, and all his teachers, when I dropped him off, were very surprised that I didn't have it on. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the last 72 hours that I went through before that, before landing here, was pretty rough. So, um, yeah, good to take a break. <laughs> I heard there was some commotion at the airport that people were waiting for you. Would you come in on Monday night? Um, I have no idea what day it is now, and I don't know what day I got in. Um, but, I mean, it, people are there, like my family, is that what they're the only people that I wanted at the airport. Right, but um, I heard that people knew you were coming in with your with your, with your your medal and everything, and they were there to congratulate. Maybe not, but that's what I'd heard. Yeah, someone, like, yeah, it was just my family. Well, after everyone was real cool, then after you turned around and walked away, people were staring at you then because there were people texting on the plane and going nuts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious, you you told us you wanted the you wanted a medal, and Australia had been 0 for 8 in games with medals on the line, and you lost the semi, so it was 0 for 9. So I'm curious, in the middle of that game, knowing how bad you wanted it, was it just another basketball game, or was it a different deal because you knew what was at stake every minute of the game? Um, I mean, it was it was probably the most different feeling I've had in a basketball game, if, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, like you said, I think all time for, for playing off for a medal, whether that be the semi-final or a third, fourth game, we were 0-11. So, um, obviously, as a country, our first Olympics was 1964, I think it was, which was in Tokyo, um, which is coincidental, but... Um, so to go through all those Olympic campaigns and, and World Cups, obviously, between that as well, but, but never medal. And um, We built this thing for 12 years since, since Patty and myself joined it in 2007, 2008. And, um, obviously, the goal was to, to win a gold medal. That's what I don't think any team was going there to lose or to, to not play well or, or whatever. And um, once we lost the semifinal to, to the U.S., um, it's a it's a weird feeling because you're frustrated because you lost the game and we were up 15 at one point in that game so we knew obviously we could have beat them if we kept and, and played um, a bit more consistently obviously we knew how good a team they were um, and it's a hard thing and I think what we've struggled with in the past is I guess the mental part between losing that game and in 36 hours having to back it up to, to still play off for a medal and We've the last three, four. 
in the group, the guys that had been there those last few campaigns, there was, there was just no way we were going to lose. Um, obviously, we were up against a, a hell of a team, and, and obviously Luca, but um, the, the vibe was really good within that group, and I obviously personally feel like we, we were just never going to lose that game. So you talk about how this is a 12-year mission, basically, for Australian basketball. Uh, how much have you seen the Australian basketball as a whole in a country, and then in your particular case, the national team, progress over those 12 years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a 65-year mission, really, since we first made the Olympics. But it's, um, obviously, since I've been involved, we've been going pretty hard on this. Um, I think a lot of it, too, is that the mindset that, that teams or organizations or whatever it is businesses have and um, we never had a not that we ever had a bad culture or, or mindset but I I think the, the 12 years ago 10 years ago once we, we've been to a, a campaign or two shifting the mindset from just dying and obviously hoping to, to win some games to like we, we, we can win this thing like we can genuinely and, and obviously like I said it took time and I remember 2008 and 2012 in, in Beijing and London, we crossed over with America. And, I mean, going into the game, I was young and pretty immature as well, but um, we knew for us to win that game, some, something pretty miraculously had to happen. And the, the mindset shift from, from then to what it has been for the last kind of eight years of, of these last few campaigns and, and World Cups and stuff, um, we've gone to, to win the tournament out of the 32 teams of the World Cup and the 16 of the Olympics. Um, our mindset has been to, to win a gold medal. And that's been, obviously you guys have, have heard us talk about it. It's been in the media. It's been every interview we've talked about. And it's it's a very different mindset than what we had in 2008. Um, even the guys, one of our assistant coaches was my roommate in 2008 and, and the captain of our team then. And he, he would tell you, now our coach was, our coach that we just had, he was our same coach in, in Beijing as well. And very, very different mindset. And the gold medal and the, the, that mindset wasn't just the players or the, 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 the coaches. It was the, the staff. It was the physios. It was the Basketball Australia admin. It was the, the media lady. We had, everybody had to have a standard of gold medal. Like that's, the, that's the standard. If you don't want to kind of advise to that standard, then we don't want you a part of this this. this uh, not a not an organisation, but this uh, this team, I guess, and um, it, it's taken some time. And, and I think obviously we've got got great people in, in all those roles. And everything we did from from the minute we got to Irvine in in Los Angeles for our first camp was a gold medal standard. And I think the disappointment from the US game, and then to, to bounce back the way we did, and again, obviously giving. Slovenia and Luca a lot of credit because I don't think anyone even expected them to be in the tournament from, from the teams they had to play as well to, to even qualify and for them to get through that and keep playing and, and make the top four is a, a hell of an effort and um, again we knew what we were up against but um, yeah I just like I said before I, there was just no doubt in my mind we were, we were going we to lose that game so what is the reaction like from Australia? Obviously, you haven't been able to go home in a while, but you're still tied into people there. What, what happens to your phone when you finally get that medal? Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, and I think the other part, which, which obviously we understood as, as a team, was um, uh, Australia's been in and out of lockdowns, and they're actually currently right now in um, two, three, four, I don't know how many weeks they're up to, but... 
um, in a pretty strict lockdown. So they've been stuck at their houses, could only leave for a couple of things. And um, the, the joy that it brought kids, families, parents, grandparents, people that have watched our team, people that support Australia, um, the, the joy and happiness that it brought so many people was, was such a good feeling. Um, so obviously that was that was that was awesome to, to feel and hear those messages and then um, I mean friends, family, random people. Like I think I've I still haven't um, I literally have not looked at any of the messages in my phone yet. Um, and there's a lot of them and I'll eventually slowly get back to people. But um, I mean post post game was obviously celebration time for us. Um, right after the game up until um, I landed in, in Salt Lake. So um, it's been a long, it was a long 72 hours. And it's been nice to, to celebrate and, and obviously spend some time with Renee and the kids and obviously the kids understanding. Um, I walked through the, the terminal to, to get out to the kids um, a couple of days ago and the first thing Miller said was like, where's your medal? Like, and for her to, to understand it and, and want to see it was, was obviously pretty special, but it's... Um, yeah, my phone's got a lot of a lot of messages that I'll eventually get back to. But um, yeah, it's been a like I said, it's been a long seventy-two hours. So, what do you need to do now as far as preparing for the season? Do you need to just veg for a little bit, or how are you going to handle that? I mean, in the nicest possible way. I haven't even thought one second about it. Um, again, it's been a, a hell of a five or six weeks and twelve years leading up to this, and. Um, right now I'm enjoying my time at home with, with the kids and heading away tomorrow for a little bit just to spend some some time on the beach with, with the kids. Miller and Jacob have only talked about Dad and the beach for about two months here. So we're going to go spend some time together. Um, I haven't spoken to one person from the Jazz yet in terms of um, when to be back or, or what the scheduling looks looking like. Um, I think they're in, I don't even know, I think they're in Vegas right now, aren't they? Yeah. I don't even know where they are. Yeah. Um, I've been honestly completely kind of switched off from that part of the world. Just, uh, we've, we've been so locked in on, on this goal. And, um, yeah, once I get a couple of days here away, I'll, I'll obviously reach out to some people and, um, yeah, just kind of see what the plan going forward is. But, um, yeah, to, I guess, simply ask and answer your first question, a, a bit of rest is definitely first and foremost and um, spending time with my, my family. Joe Ingles joining us. Joe, you're going to trash talk Rudy. I mean, he gets silver, you get bronze, but that's just because they ran into the United States later and you ran into him earlier. I think you're going to have a word with him. Well, they're the only team that lost in the last two games, I think. America won and we won. So they're the only team that got a, got a medal and lost. So, um, but no, no, it was, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the way they played the the second round or whatever you want to call it they kind of just pulled them out of the hat and you just get kind of placed wherever and obviously a couple of teams you can't face with, with the seedings um, but yeah I mean it was obviously happy for him as well and um, got to see him uh, obviously at the, the medal celebration and um, yeah happy for him I don't know where he is either right now I think he's in Paris somewhere um, but yeah pretty cool to to have two guys with, with medals coming back and um, obviously at some point we'll, we'll get back to the, the facility and have plenty of, of stories to share. So do you even know that the Jazz re-signed Conley, signed Rudy Gay, his son Whiteside and traded for uh, Pascal Mitchell's friend? Um, yeah, I know a little bit of pieces. I, 
I've, I've honestly been so switched off from it. Um, again, not in a, a negative way or anything, but I've, I've tried to stay so locked in on what this goal was, and, and obviously it was worth worth every minute of it because we, we brought a medal home. But um, obviously you do see the things that have gone on, and um, yeah, my phone blew up a couple of times with some nice trade rumours, which was nice to wake up to when I'm <laughs> trying to get ready for it. Trying to get ready for a semi-final, and everyone's asking me when I'm leaving. Yeah, what do you um, think about playing for the Warriors, Joe? <laughs> I mean, a part of it's like it, it obviously pisses you off because you, especially me, like I've obviously never asked or thought about leaving. Um, obviously, a part of it is out of my control. If they don't want me, then they don't want me, and I'm not going to sulk about it. I'll go. I'll uh, I'll do what everyone kind of told to do, or traded to do, whatever the. I don't know how I've never really been in any of those rumours. So, um, yeah, obviously I woke up and was a little bit surprised, I guess. But um, again, uh, I think I, I think I called Renee and was like, "What the f?" And then <laughs> again, it was like obviously it's out of my control. And I've had at the time I had way bigger things going on and um, had friends texting me asking what's going on and and if it's true or whatever and. I mean, you're better off calling. I said, I told them, I mean, you guys can ask somebody, Justin, but it's out of my control. So I was trying to get ready for our our games and, and focus on that. And um, obviously, a little bit of a distraction, but it is what it is. It's part of, uh, part of, part of this business. Well, you know, the other way to look at it, and possibly you don't look at it like this, the other way to look at it is the Warriors aren't making any moves without Steph Curry signing off on stuff somebody wanted you and that they that there would be any traction at all the offer must have been pretty good and the jazz apparently didn't want to do it cuz you're still playing for the jazz does any of that flatter you any part of that or the jazz really wanted to get rid of me and they couldn't find anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got a bronze medal and i've gone to the beach tomorrow so um yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, it's it's a part of the business. Um, I guess you know, the the different awkward part or whatever was I was I was obviously heavily focused on something, and my my phone was blowing up with something. Obviously, at that point, kind of something that I didn't want to be thinking about. So, obviously, glad nothing did happen. Um, like I said, I've only really played here, um, and I've, I've obviously openly said that I only want to play here, but. Um, yeah, see what happens. <laughs> Trade deadline's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it could go either way, but my guess is that you're going to be here. You're going to retire here. They're going to have a Joe Ingles Day and all that stuff uh, in the short term as far as that. Uh, is it something that uh, you've been able or, or – after they made these moves, I don't even know if you've, you've spoken out. You've been so preoccupied if you believe that the team is better now because it looks like on paper to us anyway. And obviously, we've been talking about it. That man, you guys got a you got a really good shot, if not a better shot than you had this past season. Next season, yeah, obviously, obviously, bring Mike back was a, a big piece of that, and for them to be able to get that done, and um, and then the other the, the other guys we got. Um, all bring, I guess, a, a bit of a different, um, a different look to what we what we had last year um, and previous years. So um, we're probably a bit deeper, which is good as well. And um, 
Yeah, it's something, again, obviously I haven't thought too much about. You're literally the first person that I've thought about it with or spoken to with. So, um, yeah, I, you're obviously going, especially from my point of view, you go in pretty confident with um, what the organisation's going to do and, and the ownership's going to do. And um, obviously they did what, what, what was felt was, was needed for, for our team. And um, obviously on the, the flip side of that, now it's on the players, on, on us to, to go out and execute and, and do what we need to do and, um, and obviously get further than last year and, and, and keep going going forward and forward. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to, again, like I said, get get away for a couple of days here and sit down and, and have a look at it all and um, obviously start reaching out to some guys and um, almost kind of switching hats back to, to the Jazz slash NBA. So, um, yeah, I'll get there soon. <laughs> yeah, well, enjoy it and soak it up for now, that's for sure. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the beach vacation, Joe. You got your favorite beach or you like to rotate around? Um, I know where, I mean, I know where I'm going. <laughs> so we, like, oh, we no, go. I, more do you always go to the same place. I don't expect you to say where it is. You don't need a bunch of jazz fans following you. But I just <laughs> wondered if you had one lockdown that you always go to or you take different beach vacations and go different places. Yeah, no, we go different um, a lot of the time, every all-star break and, and all that. And, I mean, honestly, it's, it's mostly off um, – questions of other people of, of where people have been and, and gone and, and kind of testing it out so um, yeah we've got obviously be very very low key and um, it's purely 100% about um, being with Renee and the kids and um, like I said it's as soon as towards the end of last season and then the, the end of the off season sorry Miller and, and Jacob have, have purely been saying they want to go to the beach with Dad and it's been a constant sentence has come out of their mouth and, and I promised once we were obviously I knew what I had to do after the season and um, as soon as we had an opportunity we were going to take off so tomorrow morning it is and um, we'll go yeah go hang out and um, man it's crazy just to spend five five or six weeks away and how much bigger the twins are and Jax looks like a 18 year old little kid now <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy how uh, a shorter time in the in the span of his life, but, but sure. obviously how big a difference it makes um, in the short term. So um, awesome feeling to be back, and awesome to be back in Utah. And um, yeah, we'll we'll get things going soon. All right, Joe. Well, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for squeezing us in before you uh, you head off to the beach. Cool. I'll uh, I'll speak to you guys soon. All right, there is Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.